Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. There, talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman. Common problem for WWE superstars. Like, they never know how to react to the lights going off. Like, Undertaker made a career out of that. And the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan. Why did no one who feuded with The Undertaker over all these years just bring a flashlight down to the room? <laughs> You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Can you imagine that, like, <laughs> shielding his eyes, like, hissing as he runs away or something? <laughs> like, some goth kid. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 100th, that's right, the 100th episode of the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am your New Jersey kid battling a cold, so please excuse the sound of my voice, along with me to fight off this cold and go through the wild week that was in wrestling, my tag team partner, the rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman. Newman, what is it like to be at 100? Well, uh, we're syndicated, baby. Yeah. We're going to start making money off this? <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, maybe we can at least just make a shirt that says we're syndicated. Just so that yeah. then people can know that way. And then people will be like, what? 100. Huh, these people must be important. <laughs> I don't even know if I know what syndicated means, but that's a fancy word. Also, they've reached 100 of something. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. Well, you know what? It's like, even if it is just like a weird little shitty podcast, doing 100 of it, like... That's a commitment, you know? Yeah, and think about, I mean, over these past 100 episodes, the different things we've had to do to, like, get the show out. Like, change schedules on each other, uh, record in weird places. like Watch really weird, shitty wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the, the times and the tribulations and the trials that it took for us to we, get to 100 episodes. We've had some episodes. really... We've had some low times and we've had some high times in terms of watching wrestling. I don't I don't know about you, but at least for me, there's been times where I'm just like, fuck, the only reason I'm watching this is because I get, I do a podcast. And then there's mm-hmm. the exact opposite times where I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I'm so glad we watched this. I can't wait to talk about it with Newman. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, p- part of my uh, the additional exploration for both of us, and especially me, for going harder into ROH and New Japan is because it's like, with Lucha Underground not around, like, there are some weeks where it's like, WWE is just shit in the bed. And it's like, you know, like, I've been watching Hulu for the most part for Raw and SmackDown, but there are one or two weeks where I was like, I don't even want to watch the whole Hulu thing, so I would just watch the fucking YouTube clips for Raw. <laughs> it's like, that's the only thing I could manage, because it was so fucking bad. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, it's like, alright, I'm going to fucking watch a shitload of episodes of this, like, World Tag League Cup. So, like, <laughs> you know, watching all this New Japan... Because it's like, oh my gosh, this is really, like, it, it's weird because as a wrestling fan, it's, I feel like to kind of keep inspiring your love for the product, every once in a while, you just have to go watch something else that just makes you love watching wrestling in general so that you can get back into some of the other stuff that you don't like as much when it's having a rut. That, yes, I agree with that. And also, I think taking breaks every once in a while. Yeah, And granted, we haven't done that because of the podcast, but mm-hmm. before the podcast, like, I would take breaks where just, like, I would just either read recaps of Raw or listen to some podcasts that recapped it rather than sitting down and watching it myself mm-hmm. just to keep up with the product. But then sitting down 
because I think that I was doing that a little before you and I started the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so then when we started doing the podcast, I was like, I have to watch this and sat down. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I missed this. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there is even certain like um, there's a certain even like a joy in the sorrow, too, because like to, to a certain weird extent, like when you're suffering in the wrestling community, it's like you're all suffering together. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that like trenches mentality where it's like you're all in the shit together exactly and then that that breeds that intense sort of brotherhood and camaraderie because it's just you know just like you understand the same suffering we we've gone through the bad times to get to the good times right exactly you have to invest that shit to appreciate the good exactly i mean that's a fundamental law to like everything you kind of have to work to be able to receive pleasure Mm -hmm. in anything but yeah, and it's with wrestling too. It's like you have to go through the like with any wrestling sort of story. Generally, there's the arc of you kind of have to wait and get through the heel kind of winning and getting the advantage over the babyface until eventually the babyface emerges victorious. Exactly, and it also actually the transition back. really well. Oh, into what I think is they're leading up to in NXT a great babyface triumph story. That actually has a lot of, lot of layers to it is the Gargano story, because right now Almas is the champion. Yeah. Yes. And I th- I thought actually that was really awesome. Him coming out with Zelina. I thought they were great together. The celebration was fantastic. Like Almas just continued to get better, but I think unfortunately his reign is going to have to be short because I think Gargano is just destined to become the next great NXT champion. And I. Almost, I came so close to predicting this because I said Gargano would be the next challenger, but then when I saw him win this match, I was like, "Oh shit, he might actually win it," and I, I wanted yeah. to like go back in time and predict that. Like, mm-hmm. well, I I feel like you were kind of maybe you were like going to predict it this week if they hadn't already done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was in the air. So I, I get what you're saying. But yeah, it's like, man, after that fucking win with Cassiusona, that was a great match. But then even built into this whole circumstance right now was like that after his divorce with Ciampa, like he's lost to a couple different people. But like the main guy that he's just lost to over and over again and can't beat is Almas. And, and here you go. <laughs> in the losses to Almas, mm-hmm. Ciampa has played the role, right? Where Selena threw in the shirt and things like that. And so... It's been one of the better stories, I think, in all of wrestling right now, mm-hmm. is this one. It's It's got so many layers to it of Ciampa and Gargano breaking up. Ciampa's spirit, so to speak, in quotations, mm-hmm. hanging around Ciampa, or hanging around Gargano in his losses. Mm-hmm. And now almost being almost like the physical manifestation of those spirits mm-hmm. right right now. Like, he, he is Gargano's Ciampa right now. Because right. Ciampa's injured. And it's just been great. And then, and on top of that, so another layer to that, is how well Almas has been doing mm-hmm. with Zelina. I mean, he's just knocking it out of the park right now. Yeah, he's he's been fucking great, dude. Like, the the energy he was channeling to in his first uh, El Idolo NXT Champion promo, uh-huh. that was really great. Like, you know, even though he doesn't have, like, a lot of great things to say because his English is still coming along, like... The energy and character work is come so much farther from when he came into NXT. Yeah. And think about 100 episodes ago, what we were probably saying about Almas. Like, 
It's probably just like, oh, here's almost again. He's just not doing anything. I'm trying to remember. I guess he wanted when he when he would have come in because I feel like when he first came in, I was definitely like a fan of him because he was doing all right for a little while. Yeah, but then he cooled off. I feel like he uh, had a very short like, yay, he's here mm-hmm. entrance, and then it quickly kind of I think fell through. Yeah, well, because then they really didn't have any plans for him, and they didn't really develop a character, so he was just kind of a guy. And when you're just kind of a guy, and they keep bringing in dudes, then eventually you're going to be the guy that's doing the job, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the that was the problem with that. But now he's really bounced it back, and he's fucking NXT champion. And it almost it does make me sad that like it's so perfect that I think he's going to have such a short reign because I think he deserves to have such a longer reign. But yeah. you know, that's I guess he doesn't need it. Like I think that him having a shorter title reign isn't going to hurt him. Like I think. That's fine. He can do that. He can you know, do a rematch, but then maybe pretty quickly go up to the main roster after this. Like, I don't think he needs to stick around at NXT for very long. No, and I think as so long as Zelina stays with him, I think mm-hmm. that'll work. Yeah, because I, I envision this is actually a very specific piece of booking that I think would work. Is You've got Gargano goes up against um, Almas for the title. And because every single time at this point, Almas has like gotten the edge up because of Zelina interfering, right? So yeah. Zelina goes to interfere yet again in this match. And then surprise, who comes? Candice LeRae, you know, his wife, wow. evening the odds. And then it leads to him getting the win. So then mm. Gargano gets the title. And then, you know, uh, Almas and Zelina will be pissed and will try to come back. But then they, you know, lose and move on. So Gargano, at the, for the time, will kind of feel like, yeah, like I've overcome my demon. I beat the guy that I couldn't beat. You know, maybe you'd also have a mixed tag match in there at some point between the four of them. And then, you know, of course, when Champa comes back, then it's like the, oh, you think you've moved on? Bitch, I'm back. And then he has his feud with Champa. But, yeah, I wonder if they, like, almost completely forget about Champa, so to speak, right? And just have him be a complete surprise mm-hmm. when he returns. Yeah, that's kind of what I figure. He should just kind of ambush him when he comes back. Like, it shouldn't be a promo that's starts his comeback it should be an ambush mm-hmm. like you know post him defending a title against somebody like whether it be almas whether it be you know alistair black or adam cole or roderick strong or drew mcintyre when he comes back like whoever it is chopper should just blindside gargano yeah and actually too i was thinking like if, if you even factor in the fact that, that like candace LeRae could be part of his winning the title then that can always be something that, like, say, Champa or somebody else can go back to and say that, like, you can't win without your wife. Something like that, you know, just something that they can play <laughs> on. Yeah. And then he, like, you something know, has to, to hold against him. himself. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, something to give. Because, like, a heel is better when they have something to feel on, right? Like, something to bite into the face against. Like, some sort of legitimate yeah. criticism, right? Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That's my thoughts on the Gargano thing, because I think that's, like, there could be other good ways they could do this, but I feel like that is the optimal NXT situation right now. Yeah, I mean, because there's not, there's not too many other storylines going on right now, so they can kind of really focus on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, they got this going on. They've got, um, I feel like Undisputed Era is about to take the tag titles probably off of Sanity. Probably. You've got uh, Ember Moon. Is doing a thing now with uh she I liked how she like basically confused the iconic duo back onto themselves for a second. 
<laughs> where they were coming after her like, hey, we want a title match. And she was like, all right, cool. Uh, just whichever one of you is going to fight me, that's fine. And they were like, oh, well, me, me. Oh, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> Until they eventually you know, figured it out. But I like that. I like. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. And it, I think anything that duo does is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely a big fan of them. And it's, it is so fucking weird that, like, all the other women that came up to NXT and it wasn't the iconic duo. Because I feel like they were definitely the two that were tailored ready to be like, let's bring them up. I actually thought about that. And I think it was because I think they were like, let's bring up, like, it kind of doesn't make sense logically, right? I think they said, let's bring up someone like Ruby Riot, who is ready. And then the other four Mm -hmm. who weren't as ready. And then that way they still have the iconic down there. So they're not losing too much talent. Mm Mm-hmm. If you get what I mean. Oh, yeah. They, they're, yeah. They're, they still see NXT as like a touring brand, right? So you can't just take all the good guys up and leave them with nothing. Right. Yeah. Like, I think with how many people they put up there, it was good to keep Iconic down there. Um, but yeah, just like when, because initially, like before all those women came up, we were definitely thinking that like Iconic was probably going to come up soon. Mm-hmm. Is what I was meaning. But, uh, you know, to, to jump right over to the women really quick. I, I do kind of want to delve into because you inspired a thought in me, and I'm wondering like when you when you look at those six women because obviously Paige coming back like you know the motive behind that is like you know Paige is finally healthy again she's in the company let's put yeah. her back on TV all right mm-hmm. so that makes sense then with the rationale behind Sony Deville and Mandy Rose like why bring them up to the main roster like why put them into this group called Absolution do you think that Paige needed a group? Or do you think she would have been fine on her own? I think she would have been fine on her own. I think it was just, we need someone, we want to bring these girls up, and we need someone to put them with. And Paige just happened to be there. But that that seems like a really weird, like, why bring those two, like, because I feel like both of them are very clearly not ready. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, if you were just wanting to bring some people up, then, like, why wouldn't you just bring up the iconic duo? who are clearly ready to come up and then leave Sony Deville and Mandy Rose back down at NXT to go work out their kinks. It just seems really weird to me. Yeah. Um... Cause then I guess the motive would ha- like, if they're being intelligent about it, which is a big if would have to be, then it's like, all right, they clearly wanted those two up with Paige for some reason. And I feel like that group has no chemistry. Because, like, also their, yeah. their gimmicks just don't mesh well together. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, it just... Because the way they're trying to sell the gimmick of Absolution is that, like, it's Paige's cult, right? That yeah. Sonya and Mandy have pledged allegiance to Paige. But, like, they don't act like her. They don't dress like her. They, they're they just an MMA fighter chick and uh, a diva, actually. Which is weird enough, right? Because, like, she was Paige's the anti-diva. So yes. she has this chick that's like a complete fucking diva who's like her devout follower. Yeah, you brought this up last week, I remember. Like, it's just, it's really fucking bizarre. Yeah, and that's why I think the Riot squad uh, is going to end up better in the eyes of uh, the crowd. Maybe. In the Although, audience. For that to happen, though, um, both Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan need to shut the fuck up. 
They were oh really my bad this week. Are you talking about that <laughs> scene with uh, Daniel Bryan this week? Oh my god, every single scene with those two this week were really bad when they talked. Yeah. Holy shit. Especially Sarah Logan. Like, Liv Morgan was bad, but Sarah Logan was like a next extra level bad. She was mm-hmm. almost lucha things. <laughs> almost lucha things. Almost lucha things. <laughs> it's like the fucking lines about, like, what was it, like, her pappy or something? I don't even remember. I don't even fucking remember. <laughs> I just remember it being awful. <coughs> yeah, just, they need to shut the fuck up. Let Ruby do the talking. Because Ruby's fine. That's Oh, Ruby's great. Because this is another weird situation of, like, like, why in the world did they bring up Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan? Right? I mean, Logan, I really didn't understand. Liv, there was a chance that she could learn on the roster and get better, but... Well, so other, far it's not. It's even weirder too that like if you're gonna bring up Liv Morgan and have her be associated with somebody, why not have her be associated with like say Carmella for example, who basically has the same gimmick as her? Oh my god, yeah, they would work so well together. Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense to be like, oh yeah, this is like my friend from high school, or this is like my little cousin, or my sister, or whoever the fuck, like some bitch I know, like or or, or that do, could be like, their first feud or something like that. That's how you introduce. Oh, you know what? Here you go. This is how you do it. Because this delves really far back into Carmella's backstory. Because if you remember, Carmella mm-hmm. was first introduced as a friend of Enzo Amore and Big Cass, and she was a hairdresser. Yes. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so Liv Morgan is a girl who got a haircut from Carmella once, and it was a really <laughs> bad haircut. And she's out for vengeance because that bad haircut, like, ruined her summer. <laughs> I was just going to say that, like, because Liv is – from new jersey right yeah and i was just gonna go so carmela's supposed oh, to be the long go. island girl long island and new jersey don't get along so it could just be like that kind of feud that's true you could always you could do that of course mm-hmm. the new jersey kid would realize that feud right exactly that's why you call me that <laughs> well it's because you're from jersey yeah uh you, you would like this uh a non-wrestling related uh sidebar uh i was having an argument today with a friend uh, who's complaining about New Jersey drivers, and they're from Pennsylvania, so I started attacking Pennsylvania drivers. <laughs> but then we ended the argument by agreeing that New York drivers are the absolute worst. <laughs> That's fucking true. They do suck a fucking dick, man. She was she was stuck in traffic, like, up in North Jersey, close to New York, and she was like, oh, shit, now I'm just surrounded by New York license plates. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, oh, man, in fucking northern Pennsylvania, when you get up near the Poconos and shit, it's like just a bunch <laughs> of psychotic New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, they're the fucking worst. But, yeah. So, uh, yeah, possibly a future New Jersey-Long Island feud between Carmella and Liv Morgan. <laughs> yeah. that I feel like that would have been a lot smarter, too, because this that's also just a very strange group. But Yes. We'll see. But still working better than absolution yeah i mean it's not saying much but yeah i feel like it's a little bit better at least um but something else a little perplexing in the women's division i want to run by you is uh what do you think of the nia Jax and enzo amore story so fucking weird (laughs) like i don't know what the fuck is going on so for reference i did look up nia's weight and nia's weight is billed at 240 something so she can't wrestle in 205 Well, that means she's heavier than all those guys. Yeah. <clears throat> Which means she can throw them around. So I, I feel like, obviously the biggest hurdle here is we have to see if they have any chemistry, if this pulls off at all, because this might be fucking awful. 
I mean, the clip this week was awful. It was so awkward. I don't, I'm not quite ready to say it was awful. It was definitely awkward. It was definitely weird. Um, but I, like, if if this pulls off, this might be really great. Because, I mean, this is basically like a China situation, right? Yeah. Because this, this would also really free him up, too, to really, like, mess around with and get rid of different guys off of the Zoe train if he didn't need them. Or, like, you know, just let uh, Team PowerPoint do their own thing. And then he can have Naya if that was going to be a thing, which, I don't know. It almost seems like a really weird situation, too, because, like, what what is Naya's situation with the rest of the women on Raw? Like, how she hasn't had any inter- interaction with uh, Absolution, has she? She's not, She hasn't had interaction with anybody. After Survivor Series. Yeah. She hasn't done much. Hmm. Very, very strange. But, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see where this goes. I, I really hope that it goes well, just because, I don't know, it's one of those things that I could see them kind of sticking with for a while, whether it works or not. So, for their sakes, I hope it works. <laughs> but, if I don't know, what, what's your prognostication on this whole thing? What's your feeling? I mean, the the clip was weird, and yeah, you're right. Unless they pull something out, like it was just her trying to get to show that she can throw around guys or something clever like that, then I would be okay with it. But as of right now, I mean, it's not showing me much because I feel like it's just distracting Naya. And I mean, I guess Enzo wasn't doing much recently, right? It's kind of just been all about the Zotrain. They haven't really been building up I mean, I guess they, they're building up Swan as a challenger, but I feel like that's kind of a backstory to the Zotrain, right? And so... A little bit. Um, yeah, because at this point, it does kind of feel still like the, the main storyline is the Zotrain. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell because they're, they're always doing like a couple different burners at the same time. Because, yeah, they've got Swan in the number one contenders thing with maybe some stuff with Ali and Cedric going on. Uh-huh. They've got Zotrain storyline going on with Haz the element of his relationship with Drew Gulak as kind of like another kind of charismatic person in the group. But then there's also the storyline going on with Noam Dar, who's sort of the loser who will probably get kicked out soon. And now we're developing the thing with Naya, who, mm. you know, may or may not be put in there, which actually, you know what, the the whole idea of throwing guys around might be a smart way that like, all right, like if, if you clearly have other plans for the women's division, whether that be Alexa Bliss whether that be Paige, whether that be Asuka, whether that be Sasha Banks or Bailey again, if the plan is not Naya, then maybe it would be smarter to kind of have her be outside of the main women's division for the most part now. And maybe she's still in there every once in a while. But if she's over in the cruiserweight division acting as a like a bodyguard for Enzo, and if she's mm. throwing guys around, that's still a way to make her look strong without her having to be in the women's division. And it then would having also to give around Enzo... Her, you know what I mean? It also give Enzo more heat having mm-hmm. this big girlfriend. Especially, I mean, too, because, be... like, if, if you really run the angle, too, of, I think, like, him manipulating her and she actually being mm. kind of a baby face in a way, like, the audience kind of still liking her a little bit. Yeah, what what was her last feud? Did, did she end up a baby face or? Um, she was kind of turning baby face-ish when she was about right? to go against Alexa Bliss, but then all of a sudden they were just back together again yeah they just dropped it and then and then she's then it went into survivor series and it hasn't been much continuation right right because yeah there was that a uh, yeah. couple weeks where she wasn't there and then she was back for survivor series and then uh yeah 
now we have this. So she's been kind of all over the place. Like, yeah, I think she's clearly not the priority right now. Which, in a lot of ways, it, it look it makes sense because they actually it's have they, a lot of options. Raw, on Raw and Nia has, is just not as experienced. Yeah, and so Raw has so much depth with their women right now that you like you're you're just gonna have a rotation of who's in the more important storylines and things like that. Well, it's one of the unique problems with Nia is that she's one of those girls that if you're not doing anything with her. You just can't. You can't have her just go out there and lose or anything either. Like she can't exactly. be an enhancement talent because that kills her. Yeah. So she has to either like go away or go do something else for a little bit. Like because yeah. a girl like Bailey, you know, and part of her being the underdog, she's got to go lose a couple times a little bit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so you can afford to have her get cooled down from time to time. Unfortunately, she. Well, I don't know. She's in a better spot now than she was because she's not getting booed anymore. <coughs> Thank God. True. <coughs> and you also. How fucking you bad can't was have nine. What was that? I was just gonna say, how fucking bad was that, man? That they were they'd fuck Bailey up so bad that people were booing. Oh, her. pooper in her hometown, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you also can't just throw Naya in with like say Oscar, because you don't want mm-hmm. either of them to lose. So. Right, because in that kind of situation, you basically have to like go to a like a draw or a counter, because that's that's definitely a match you want to save. At least, at the very least, for a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Anything else for Nia Jax? No, that's it for me. Also, I gotta say, you've, you've come a long way on her, because you really used to dislike her. Oh, yeah. Well, when she first started, she was horrible. <laughs> I mean, she was definitely not not that great. Um, but yeah, you, you do you feel like she's improved quite a lot? Oh, yeah, definitely. She's a much more compelling character. She's much better in the ring. Yeah. Actually, I, I I don't want to turn off the TV when I see her now. <laughs> Alright. Uh, one thing I do want to turn the tea off, TV off when I see. Every single time. This is, this is going to be really nitpicky. But every single time that Roman Reigns says that he's earned everything that he's gotten. <laughs> I hate it. And the fucking crowd hates it too, because the people boo the shit out of him every time he says that. Even if like they said like the last thing he said, they would have cheered. They shit on him or go silent whenever he says that, because everybody knows he's full of shit. What do you think? Yeah. Um. And also, did you see the clip of that new show that uh, Corey Graves has? Where um, uh, he asked Roman, I forget what he asked him, but Roman says that he's the best wrestler in the world right now. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know he he did wrestle AJ Styles last year. Like, did he forget that already? Like, did he forget <laughs> about AJ Styles, who's clearly a fucking better wrestler than him? <laughs> did he forget about like just recently he was in the ring tagging with? Seth Rollins, who's clearly a better wrestler than he is. <laughs> now, granted, I I guess it's in his character to be like, yeah, I'm the big dog and I'm the best and things like that. Mm-hmm. But he takes it to another level. <laughs> well, but I mean, maybe maybe he doesn't really believe it. Maybe this is a hype move. Is that is that possible? Like, was this a very in character interview? Oh yeah, totally. Oh, okay, so. Yeah, never mind. He's just sucking his own dick because that's that's part of it. 
Although, you know, yeah, he, he probably he might believe that shit about himself. And I don't, I mean, is it, is he sucking uh, Roman Reigns' dick or Joe Anawali's dick? Oh, that's, that's a good question, Joe. Yeah. It's another callback to it. <laughs> <laughs> is Joe Anawali a good pro wrestler? Or, uh, or uh, sorry, sports entertainer. Actually, that's yeah. that's an important question. Did he did he call himself the best? What did he call himself? The best wrestler? Did he call himself the best? I believe sports he said wrestler. Oh man, that's a that's a dirty word, Roman Reigns. You're not supposed to call yourself a wrestler. Dirty, dirty boy. You dirty boy. You're not a wrestler. WWE World Wrestling Entertainment is full of sports entertainers, not wrestlers. Oh God! I, I I cringe every. That's my other fucking biggest pet peeve. I think in general, watching WWE is whenever commentary <laughs> says sports entertainment or sports entertainer, doesn't call it what they say championship and or they don't call it a belt. See, because it's like know. all right here. Here's my fucking thing that I'll make as a distinction for you. That when they're talking about it in like a corporate setting, like when it's not kayfabe, when they're just you know. Talking like Stephanie McMahon is not being her bitchy self, and she's like, "Oh yeah, WWE." Like, all right, whatever. Call them sports entertainers then, if you want to. But like, when you're on commentary and when you're supposed to be selling to me that this is an actual fight, don't call them sports entertainers. You fuck. Call them wrestlers. <laughs> They're having a wrestling match. They're not having a sports entertainment exhibition. Or oh god, the, don't like, throw that idea out like, there. Because then what what the fuck do you call a sports entertainment? Like, do you still call it a match? I have no idea. Do you call it a dance? A, a Like a rehearsal? A recital, perhaps? A sports entertainment recital? Is that it, Joe? <laughs> oh, the the show was just superb in their oh. performances. Were... Did, you, did you see our sports entertainment performance? <laughs> And let us raise our pinkies as we are so sophisticated <laughs> and fancy. Oh my gosh. What, instead of people like cheering and uh, doing all sorts of shit, people start snapping at wrestling events. <laughs> for, like, for like really well executed technical moves. Like somebody <laughs> perfectly puts on like a dragon sleep and everybody's just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That'd be fucking horrible. I'm just imagining like wrestling taking places in like coffee shops now. <laughs> like, oh yeah, and it's supposed to be like as quiet as possible. You don't want yeah. anybody else to know, because like, oh, we don't want to draw in the drabble. Have to keep it quiet. The hipsters, we, we we need to keep it hipster. There's no more entrance music either. Yeah, like, everybody comes out and they just like each uh, wrestler recites a poem. They do like some uh, live beat oh. poetry, <laughs> and they don't boo the heels. They hiss at them. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, yeah, they hiss at the heels. What would they do for the baby face? Because they can't cheer. And you can't you can't do the uh, throwing of the um, toilet paper stuff. Not the toilet, the streamers. Jeez. Can't do streamers from ROH either. Uh, you gotta do something else. Maybe, would they still just snap? Or maybe, oh, they have, everybody has to twiddle their mustaches. At the baby faces yes. when they come out in appreciation. Because all the baby oh, faces would have mustaches. Good, so they would also be twiddling their mustaches when they come out doing their mm-hmm. beat poetry. And all the heels would be like guys in um, like ties and suits and whatnot. They'd be corporate guys. They would be the coffee shop owner. 
That'd be <laughs> <laughs> like not the guy who even runs it, not the manager, but like the guy who actually owns the building. <laughs> like he comes in and oh, it would just be like recreating the fucking scene for Fight Club. That's what we're oh, doing. Yeah. We're just recreating the scene for Fight Club. We're just we're making it hipstery like, and calling it yeah, <laughs> calling it wrestling, sports entertainment, sports entertainment. Are you not sports entertained? <laughs> I feel like we could come up with some good like video like audio dubs to do. Maybe, I don't know. I feel like we could do uh, certainly a lot better than uh, the guys who are putting together this fucking Strowman and Kane feud. Because I'm done. <laughs> So now, so we they, we've had them fight, like all physically altercate uh, twice or three times or however many fucking times now, and now we're doing the video screens. Yeah, really like, that's a that's a good way to escalate a feud. Yeah, well, granted, and then on the same show where you have Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy escalating their feud, which is at the beginning, and them doing the videos against each other. Yeah, oh my gosh. You know, because, yeah, fuck, fuck the Strowman and Kane thing. Let's go over to Matt Hardy Betty, and Bray Wyatt. We all woken, Newman. <laughs> Are you awoken? I think they need to go to that fucking crack den. They need to go back <laughs> to the crack den, the House of Horrors. <laughs> oh, my God. I think... So, so, well, all right, so far, what do you think of the WWE's version of woken Matt Hardy instead of broken? The entire promo of them back and forth, I was laughing so hard uh, that I was I was having trouble breathing. I was falling <laughs> over. <laughs> I was red in the face. Oh my god! This now was this just Matt or both of them together? Well, it's it's Matt, but then it is Bray Wyatt because then Matt feels like he's just so parodying him and shitting on him that like at this point like. Bray Wyatt is Dunzo, I think, in a lot of ways. But it like it's Dunzo in the most hilarious way that I don't even fucking care anymore. I'm just like, alright, fuck it. You know what? You flushed him down the toilet. Let's do it. Let's... Uh uh. Not flushed down the toilet. Deleted. Deleted. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so fucking ready for this. That this I'm so excited. Like I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm just. I'm resigning myself to be okay with. You know what? The, the WWE is going completely cartoony, and that's just how it's going to be. And that's all right because you know what? This is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Between Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, because it, it and it's it, not it really like did... they're going complete cartoony, right? With everybody, like it's just mm-hmm. this feud that does that, and that's okay. Yeah, and I, I, I'm sure there'll be a few other ones with Broken Matt Hardy because I, you know, once uh, Jeff comes back, they'll probably do some. St- I, I imagine they'll have to do some stuff with like the New Day at some point. I think that's got to happen. Um, oh, and speaking of the New Day, they got beat by Rusev Day. Beat by Rusev Day, who then got <laughs> added into the uh, the match at Clash of Champions. Yeah, the. <laughs> Oh, why am I blanking on his name? Aiden English? Yeah, Aiden is going farther than he ever did with uh, the um, Vaudevillains. Uh, maybe. I don't know, because at least with the Vaudevillains, they won the NXT Tag Team Champions. Yeah, but I mean, now on the main roster, right? Like, Yeah, that's true. Do anything on, on SmackDown, and so now with Rusev, 
he's yeah. got a gift going. I, I mean, I like Rusev Day. I like them together. I don't think they're ready for the tag titles, but you know, putting them in that title match, that's good. I like it. Love it. Because, I mean, I definitely feel like the uh, the title should probably stay on the Usos. But this is going to be a fucking hell of a match. Between all those fucking teams. All the, <laughs> oh, my gosh. This totally reminds me, too. Did you see there was a... I think it was probably a web exclusive, but there was a... The cameras caught up with uh, Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable after um, the match had happened where uh, Bruce Day got the win and then got added into the match. And they were telling them the news that it was going to be a fatal four-way. Did you see this? No. Did I it, miss this? It's, it, like, I only found it on the YouTube, so I think it, it might just be a web exclusive. But it's, it's fucking okay. hilarious. If you get a chance, go out of your way to watch it real quick. Because it's like a minute. But Chad Gable's fucking hilarious in it. Because he just you know, gets so angry and he keeps just like asking. It's like, but why are they in the match? But why are they in the match? <laughs> And while Shelton, Shelton's just going off about all these other different things, and that at the very end he like throws down his jacket all angry. Shelton, you know, Chad Gable's like, "Why are they in the match?" <laughs> he, lo- it, he loses it in a very like Daniel Bryan sort of way. <laughs> it's just fucking hilarious. It kind of sounds similar to uh, I just watched again uh, the clip of Sean uh, Michaels and Triple H when they've reformed DX and they have to vote for a special guest referee for like a Cyber Sunday pay-per-view or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're going through their options they're like, well, we don't want Vince cuz you know, we pissed him off and then Coachman we uh we threw through a wall and we painted DX on his ass. And they're like, "Oh, Eric Bischoff. We, we haven't done anything to him." Well, he wrote this book and he said that uh we weren't controversial enough. And then that's when Sean goes off not controversial enough. Has he never heard of the Montreal Screwjob? And he's like, not controversial enough. Watch this. And he goes up. And it's actually um, uh, Ty Dillinger is plays an extra where he's just this backstage like producer role. And he just goes, what's your name? And he's like, Stan. He's like, kick, super kick Stan. And he's like, I just kick Stan. Oh, shit. So Ty Dillinger is Stan? Yeah, Ty That's... Dillinger is Stan. Man, Ty Dillinger is in one of the greatest WWE moments of all time. The... I fucking love that clip. <laughs> and then he goes down and like kicks someone else. Yeah, then he just he just goes and super kicks everybody, right? Yeah, then he like there's another person like down the hall. <laughs> then, he, then they're all holding papers that they just throw up in the air. Mm-hmm. Man, good job, Ty Dillinger. I I hope that's not the greatest moment of his whole career, but maybe it will be. I don't know. <laughs> He uh, hasn't been on TV in a little while here. No, yeah, I just realized that bringing him up. Actually, you know, with uh, with Ziggler just kind of getting thrown into the US, this uh, U.S. title match out of nowhere, like I don't know, why not throw uh, Dillinger in there too? Fuck it. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> because because why not? Because fuck it, that's why. Because I figure, like, you know, with this Clash of Champions, we'll probably also have, like, some undercard matches, like a Zack Ryder and Mojo Raleigh going against each other. But, like, I don't think there's really going to be anything else for Ty Dellinger to do. And he's kind of been involved with Baron Corbin before. So, I don't know. Why not? I mean, I guess because they probably don't want to complicate it too much. And Ziggler's basically just in there to eat the pin. So then Bobby Roode has a longer chase. That's that's what I feel from this, right? Is that why they put Ziggler in this match? Yeah, I guess so. 
just to throw the fans a bone, kind of. Yep. Well, uh, throw the fans a bone in that I think they don't have enough ideas for what they want to do with this title reign. So they're like, hey, we want to have a few with Bobby Roode, but we want to have it last a little bit longer. So let's throw this Dolph Ziggler wrench in the mix just to make it last a little bit longer. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Because, like, even even without the way they fucking booked that backstage segment where they were just fucking hanging out in the locker room and those two were just talking to each other, like, very, very cordially, I felt like, when they're supposed to be fucking feuding for a title belt. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, you know, we were going to have a match, but now that Dolph Ziggler's in there, my chance goes down by a third. Oh, my God. I hate that math. <laughs> it does not make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like, doesn't that just suppose, or, jeez, uh, pre, pre, all right, I don't remember what fucking word, it does, it assumes that all fucking wrestlers are exactly equal. Yeah. <clears throat> and what and wrestlers can subscribe true, to that idea? In true statistics, you also have to calculate your probability of winning, but on top of that, the probability of you losing as well. Like, there's mm-hmm. whole way more money math than just oh there's three people so each get a 33 percent chance like although hell even even more percentage or more important than those percentage of chance of winning when at the end of that segment where uh there was a match between those two guys and Ziggler comes in and attacks both of them and Uh he's just standing over both of those guys didn't it just seem so fucking wrong that like he's the guy that you just look at at that whole group and it's like oh yeah well he's the obvious loser that's gonna take the fall out of that yeah, group. he actually talked about this recently on the uh, Edge and Christian podcast. Yeah, it's he's not wrong when he and you know, I think he has the perfect solution. He just needs to go away for a while. Yeah, I mean, he's he, like, I just need to, mm-hmm. I need to take a break and just let the fans forget that when they see me, I'm gonna lose. Right. <clears throat> yeah, because that is a huge fucking problem, and I mean, obviously, it's fortified by the fact that WWE books him to do that all the time because if they did really give him some good wins then like in some meaningful wins then you know they could use him more like that but I, I think it would really be great to see him like for example go to new japan for a little while like i think he would really thrive there like i think he's the kind of guy like i think he could do really well in bullet club or he could do well outside of it but i think just inside of new japan i think that'd be a really good place for him Oh yeah, they really give a shit about the in-ring work, and they would appreciate. I think the kind of heel he is. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he could really kick some ass. I think Ring of Honor would also be a good choice. Hmm. Yeah, I think Ring of Honor would be good too. Just because I, I, you're right, he just needs a place that appreciates the in-ring work. I just i <clears throat> i I think that he would stand out a little bit. <clears throat> Sorry, I think he would stand out a little bit more in New Japan, though. Just just from the simple fact that, like, from his, like, height and build and the fact that he's a white guy, like, there are a lot of guys in ROH that are similar size, build, and have mm, good work So he rate. would stand out a little bit more? Yeah. So I think he would stand out a little more being a guy over in New Japan. So that's why I would say, at least as far as that would be the company for him. But, you know, obviously he's going to fucking do what he's going to do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I I do think 
and he, I think at this point he really does know it's smart. He needs to leave WWE at least for a little while. And then, you know, maybe after a couple of years, come back. If, because it is, it's, I think if he ever comes back though, he needs to, or he's, I would really want him to not settle for anything other than like a legitimate second chance of them actually getting behind him, actually pushing him, actually recognizing him as a main eventer. Like, if he was going to come back in a couple of years just to like be in the same spot that he's in, then I would almost kind of hope that he would have the pride and be like, you know what? No, nah, I don't need the money. Fuck it. I'm not coming back to do I, that schedule just to do that again. I think that's why if he goes to a place like New Japan and raises his profile enough, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> that's true. Although, but... I don't know. At the same time, it it really is WWE management just refuses to get behind because they have had several opportunities to get back behind him and they just haven't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Maybe they can change his mind, or he can change their mind with some time. But uh, if not, I think I'll figure it out. Yeah, he'll figure it out. Let's see. Um, trying to look at there if there was anything else that was. Ooh, one other thing I wanted to bring up to you. What did you think of Jason Jordan this week on Raw? Whiny little bitch. But like in a bad way or a good way? In a good way. Yeah, because I, I I feel like he did pretty well this week. I gotta say. Yeah. Um. I he's being a heel, right? Like he's starting to show those heel tendencies of just like, mm-hmm. come on, Dad, give me a chance. Yeah, Dad, um, you got to give me the match. you got to. And then uh, not, like, not coming through on the match. So, yeah, I liked it. Or he's not coming through with the win. I mean, from a performance standpoint, I thought he did really well. Did you? Because I, I thought he held pretty well with Roman Reigns. Like, he put on a damn good match. Yeah, he did. And, uh, <coughs> sorry, uh... I also think that it could be interesting how he gets involved now with the Samoa Joe feud mm-hmm. with Roman Reigns because now Joe has now included him in that. So, yep. I don't like. I feel like it shouldn't become a triple threat, but just see what Jordan does to like keep his character in there. You know what I could see them doing? I don't know if they'll definitely go this way, but I could see it be that like you know next week. Or whatever next week, um, maybe the week after that, they're gonna do Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe. And then when they do that match, Jason Jordan's probably gonna come out and fuck it up. And then maybe they could do because he's he's working the knee injury. Joe could get pissed and fucking just be like, you know what? I'm finishing this kid. Fuck it. And then just like takes out Jason Cocaine Jordan. Clutch. Yeah, cocaine to clutch his knee or some shit. <laughs> Send Jason Jordan out for a little bit. Or, like, maybe the Heat could be, like, in some backstage segments on crutches or some shit for a little while. I don't know. I don't know how they want to play that. But at least in storyline, that could be, like, <clears throat> that next step of how you pump that up. And then you continue to build to then, like, oh, well, they're going to fight again. And now look what you see the him. You, you just you just saw Samoa Joe do is take out Jason Jordan and his knee. But yeah. I could see that. And then you allow Jordan to come back. Uh and get revenge, right? Have him go away for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So that could work. 
yeah, that could come back and be some sort of a, like maybe he's trying to get revenge on Samoa Joe. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I think you could basically kind of turn Samoa Joe babyface if you want to, kind of like a badass babyface. The crowd's fucking behind him. But yeah. then again, at this point, he's kind of like positioned against Reigns, so then he's got to be the heel and he's kind of aligning with the bar. So I guess he's still definitely supposed to be kind of more of the heel, which is fine. I mean, he can kind of do whatever, right? And it works. Yeah. I mean, I I do kind of think that he works a little better as a heel. Like, he just, he has that intensity to really be that, like, really dark heel. Um, yeah. But just, like, against oh, yeah. a guy like Roman Reigns where people just aren't really behind him, people are just going to start cheering Joe more. You know what I mean? It's one of those situations that we've discussed before. Like, he's a guy that can do both, but he does better at this kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, also, like, AJ Styles does better at both, but I think he's definitely a better babyface. Exactly. I'm trying to think. Uh, it's like, alright, so, there's no way that Jinder Mahal gets back that fucking title off of Styles, right? No. I mean, he is like, oh, oh, did you hear about the India tour? Like, that it got reduced uh, down to one show? Yeah. Yeah, man, if that doesn't scream abysmal failure from all this, I don't know what does. Now, do you think he uses that? Like, he's like, well, if you didn't take the title off me, we would have had two shows done. Oh, well, I mean, if he even tries to say some shit like that, he can <laughs> suck his own dick. Like, I mean, that's that's what all the, that's all what that would be anyway. But, man, although <laughs> I was I was listening to Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer talk a little bit, and... I think Dave was like slightly worried about the idea of, or maybe not worried, but just, yeah, talking about the idea of like, well, what if they put the title back on gender after this India tour? And I was thinking about that and I was like, man, wouldn't that be the most bass backwards thing in the whole world that they like had the title on him for so goddamn long to try and sell it to India. They take the title off of him right before they go to India, they go to India and then put the title back on him after. I don't think they put the, the title. Well, he's not, Wrestling for the title in India. No, he's right. Uh, he's fighting Triple H, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't he's think just it's gonna, gonna bury happen, him. But I, was, but I was just imagining it's like if if they did that, that would be the most impressively backwards thing I I think they've ever done. Oh, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. But I I don't think they're that dumb. I think they're keeping it on Styles for a little bit. Yeah, you know, I I I think he's got a good amount of if, run left in him. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Styles keeps it until Mania, at this point. Yeah, who because who else do you see taking it off of him on SmackDown? Yeah, because I feel like the guys that they might be building up because like, all right, we've got Owens and Zayn are going to have to keep their jobs against Orton and Nakamura and Shinsuke, and I imagine that's going to come through Dana Bryan turning heel and helping them. Uh huh. But then you could have, like, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn kind of go after Styles for a little bit and maybe challenge for the title, but I don't think they're going to win it. But then I would think that the idea would be you'd build towards WrestleMania. I think Nakamura is the match. And I think you got to, like, Owens and Zayn, like, I don't think that feud is done in this next pay-per-view, right? Like, yeah, they keep their jobs, but I still think you have to do something with, like, Owens and Shane. That's true. So then in the meantime, like, you could also have, like, Randy Orton could challenge AJ Styles. You could have Cena challenge Styles. You mm-hmm. could have... Uh, well, see, Cena depends on his schedule. Right. True. Um, but yeah, even if not him, Orton, like I said. 
Um, what would be some other good ones? Like you could have you could build up Rusev and do Rusev. You mm-hmm. could maybe have like Big E go after him from New Day, if you wanted to do like a little bit of a you know just briefly delve into some singles action for the tag team. Bobby Roode. You could try Bobby Roode, I guess. You could do. Though people would make the joke that it's a uh, TNA pay-per-view main event rather than a <laughs> WWE. <laughs> I mean, I guess it wouldn't be that wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. If you hadn't fucking crapped on Ziggler for so long, you could have done Ziggler. Like, that would have been a good yeah. one. <laughs> but now no one's going to believe that he's... Yeah. ...has any kind of a chance. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you got a couple options there, for sure. Um... Um, I think that mostly covers main roster WWE. Uh, other than, uh, what, yeah. what, did you have any thoughts on uh, Gulak, Drew Gulak conducting the the Drew train? Oh my god, I'm I'm loving him right now. Uh, his promo segments, his interactions with Enzo backstage. I mean, mm-hmm. is there nothing he can't do? Like, well, you know what he's really done is he's fucking realized his character very very well so that he can just kind of react to all sorts of different situations and it doesn't matter who he's in the ring with it doesn't matter who he's in a backstage segment with he knows yeah. how to react and he has an interesting way to do it because like his character is a well-developed character yes like and it, it's surprising how fucking fast this character has developed right in such a short mm-hmm. period of time because when he fucking first came into 205 Live and the Cruiserweight Championship, or Cruiserweight Classic, like, man, Drew Gulak was, like, blander than uh, fucking Toast. Yeah, but then he came out with the no-fly zone. Mm-hmm. And then I think the <clears throat> national election, presidential election, helped him because then he started parodying that. And then now you have him with the PowerPoint thing. I mean, it's just ridiculous what he's been able to evolve it to. And get over at the same time. Yeah, and I think it, you know what, it's really a model for <coughs> showing that, like, these 205 Live guys, like, they're ha- they, they're being, they really do have the platform. They just have to figure it out. And I don't know to what extent that is straight up on them as a burden, or if it's, like, how many writers are involved in this trying to help these guys. Because, like, with his gimmick, I, mean, like, I you still know, think it's. Uh, Everything is written, so it's still writer-heavy. But it's just, Mm -hmm. what ideas can you work with on the writers and make it your own? I feel like there's there's a lot of conflicting information over the years that I feel like I've read and seen and things like that, but it seems to me, if I can amalgamate a lot of the information, there's definitely a lot of shit that's, like, you know, written, given to you and stuff like that. But, like, if you have the initiative and drive and desire to change it and just like really stand up and say like hey i really want to do something different and this is it like if you can present an idea and have a good idea and it works then they'll kind of start listening to you yeah and you also have to be able to accept that if it doesn't work you're gonna get like punished so to speak for a while right where you're not going to be allowed to step out as much so as long as you're willing yeah you're right to have that initiative to put it out there and accept a punishment if it happens then you're good yeah, but I think oh, the problem is a lot of these guys like don't want to risk that punishment, so to speak, and so exactly. Well, and it's 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 a fucking um, precarious situation. You know, you have to measure that shot because you yeah. have to make sure that shot works. Yeah, 
Because if it does, it propels your career. And if it fucking flops, then like you said, it, it tanks it. So you have to make sure you don't shoot too early. But you know, when you have the shot, you got to take it. Exactly. Because then, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't think this is the case, but like, do you think that that would be the case of, say, for uh, a guy like Ziggler? Did, like, did he just somehow not fight hard enough or something? Did he just not say no to the wrong thing? That's what it seems like, right? That he, it seems like, in his interview with Edge and Christian, kind of sounds like he put his ideas out there and they were shot down. And then he put his best effort into everything they threw at him. And then they just felt that, yeah, he did it well, but I don't know. They had a lower level of respect for him. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a very weird situation. Yeah, it's like, well, because when you're as good as he is at what he does, you know, being so good at selling and being so able to put over other guys, then it, you know, you, you more than a lot of other guys end up having to be selfless in the business. And, you know, he probably would have been a lot better off if he had been more selfish. But then again, at the same time, it's hard to say that because, like, it's so precarious and Vince McMahon is so temperamental that if he had just stood up at the wrong time and said the wrong thing then they just would have fired him yeah you know what i mean so it's hard to fucking say because if he had just gotten fired like five years ago instead of having these five years of getting a fucking good paycheck uh-huh then you know how much Where better would he is be he? yeah but then again i guess he could have maybe gone to new japan for example or gone somewhere else and you know maybe he would have been kenny omega right now so maybe he would have been a lot better off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Never fucking know. I just, yeah, I don't know. When I That was one of the most striking images from this week for me was just when he was standing over Bobby Roode and Baron Corbin. And I was like, God damn it. He is the superstar out of that group by a mile. How the fuck is he the one who's obviously eating the pin? This is bullshit. <laughs> Like, <laughs> both of those guys should be, like, not even in his league. It's ridiculous. And it's, like, it is... Well, definitely it, Baron Corbin. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. That fucking giant man baby. Man baby. <laughs> he is not good. No, he is not. No, no, he is not. No. <laughs> Oh man, let's talk about ROH because ROH is good. Yes. Uh, so we had uh, Flip Gordon coming off his uh, encounter last week, main evented against Adam Page. Mm-hmm. And I thought they had a really good match. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty fucking solid match for sure. Uh, Flip Gordon and... definitely lives up to his name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's so many flips. Um,. But I think it's setting up for, like, a nice, like, flip kind of rising through the ranks of the Bullet Club, so to speak, right? Mm, you think so? You think he's going to kind of go up to the next level? Yeah. Because uh, so far you had, like, yeah, the all-out brawl. He he brought his boys and went up against the Bullet Club. Now he main evented against uh, Paige. So now could it be, like, him against maybe one of the... 
the question is then, does he go against Marty Skrull, or does he tag team with some of the guys <coughs> against the Young Bucks? I think Marty would be up next, right? That's what, If he's going singles, then yeah, I think it'd be Marty Skrull, but... And then, yeah, he could pull in another tag team partner to go up against the uh, Young Bucks. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's definitely like a fun kind of... He's he's hasn't been in the business that long, right? Only a couple of years? No, I think, it, yeah, just a few years. Yeah. <clears throat> fun guy to watch, though, for sure. Definitely. And uh, we also had The Kingdom. Your and favorite. there's The Kingdom. <laughs> fucking suck. Thank God they lost. Motor Against City the Motor City Machine Guns. Kicking ass. Uh, go and fight the best friends. Find out who the real best friends are. Oh, it's definitely Alex, Charlie, and Chris Sabin. Because I loved them back in the day. Yep, yeah, they're definitely going to... They got to, right? Motor City Machine yeah. Guns all the way. And they're just so good. Oh my god. Yeah, they, they really fucking just showed up the kingdom so much in this match. Like, it wasn't just a fucking they retained, but it was like, man, these guys really put on a clinic of tag team wrestling. Well, it just goes to show you, like, when you've been wrestling together that long, it's just, it they don't even have to try. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just there. Yeah, absolutely. So, really fun match. I think that's, that one's probably got to be, if I had... To, one match in particular to recommend somebody to check out from this week. That'd probably be it, right? Yeah, the machine guns are really good. So machine guns were really good this week. Mm. Um, I I actually I think I like that match a little bit more than the main event. So mm-hmm. I did too. Although something I <laughs> I wanted to point out to you something I thought was interesting with that with that fucking segment with Caprice Coleman where he interviewed himself. <laughs> I feel like they couldn't have put that at a better week. When they also had the crazy shit with uh, Woken Matt Hardy and Bray, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, they need to have Caprice Coleman in this match too. They need to have well, a three-way um, crack den match. For just Coleman. the crazy yes. people. Yes. Caprice Coleman was trained by the Hardy Boys. You're fucking kidding me. No. Oh, that's perfect. He's... He's, well, he's built from North Carolina, but he is originally from New York. But yeah, I think he went <gasps> down to North Carolina and started his career there. Perfect. All right. So, all right. So we have Woken Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt in the Crack Den match. They're fighting, but most of their fighting would probably just be like them laughing at each other while they're staring at each other a couple feet apart from each other and like mm-hmm. maybe doing like an intense stare down like they're doing a psychic battle or uh-huh. something like that. But then. Woken Matt Hardy will summon Caprice Coleman out of nowhere, his student, to come into the fight and help him. But then, to counter Caprice Coleman, Bray Wyatt will summon another crazy black guy from North Carolina. (gasps) It's our truth! (laughs) To come and be his surprise tag team partner. And then they have a tag team cracked end match. Our truth. Oh, man. The perfect guy to add into a cracked end match. Do you ever see there's these guys over in England? I can't remember the name of it. It's like the Attitude Error podcast or something like that. And they post their videos on Facebook every once in a while. And they just go through and review old Raws or Smackdowns from the Attitude Error. Mm-hmm. And they reviewed, a, I think it was like a Raw recently, where like R-Truth is backstage. <laughs> and the one guy's like, and it's them, like one person kind of like presents the episode. And the one guy's like, he's like, yeah, and they just said the locker room. You just see fucking Kate Quick, our truth in the background. Like, 
<laughs> just hanging out. <coughs> yeah, that's right. He was K Quick back then. Uh huh. <laughs> he did a rapping gimmick with uh, Road Dog. K Quick and Road Dog. Yep. Oh man. So, uh, what did you think of there? Were, there were two other big segments from this week from ROH. I wanted to get your opinion on. What did you think uh-huh. of Briscoe's? invading Bully Ray's school and attacking his students. I thought it was great because the Briscoes, I think, I mean, they're great faces. Don't get me wrong because mm-hmm. the crowd just loves them. But when they go full heel, man, oh, there's few tag teams in the world that can come close to that. And when they film segments like this, I love it. Yeah, I thought it was actually surprisingly well done because the Briscoes, I- can pull off those segments that you don't think should work right like they cut promos just sitting like they they live on a chicken farm mm-hmm. like that's where they grew up and so they'll just cut promos where they're just sitting around the chickens and just talking about how they're gonna beat you up and beat you down and stuff mm-hmm. like that and it works it's crazy and it's 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 smart too to have the way they set up too because jay is the one who actually has like the really intimidating crazy look to his face like jay's oh, the one yeah. on camera and mark holds the camera because he looks like a fucking goober <laughs> like, like mark's in the picture you think like oh well this guy like just get away from me like you're just a weird homeless guy but jay's like oh shit this guy's gonna stab me and steal my shit <laughs> like fuck that's why jay's the ex world champion and mark's not <laughs> yeah um i think uh Oh, we should we should have had Corey on the show because I think him and our friend Dan actually ran into Jay after uh, when it was when WrestleMania was in New Jersey all those years ago. We went into New York and saw an ROH show, and it was like right after Jay won the title for the first time, and they like ran into him in the parking garage leaving the arena, and they said that he was like, "Yeah, he gives you this look like you better not fuck with him." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he's. I would not fuck with Jay Briscoe. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, but the, even that whole segment too. Now, that, when you were describing it and just like the the wit, the things that they did right, it was making me think. You know, it'd be a great dream feud. Would be mm-hmm. Briscoe Brothers versus the Usos. Oh yeah, that'd be a fucking match. I would want to see. That would be brothers against brothers. Mm-hmm. Especially with like the Usos, kind of like these last, you know, now they've been finding more of their identity and really stepping oh, the, up on the mic and getting a little more intense. I'm just imagining that, like them bringing up the Uso penitentiary, mm-hmm. and then like having the Briscoes come back with the boy, you've never seen the inside of a penitentiary. Like <laughs> we're gonna show you. We're like, bitch, you don't gotta worry about a penitentiary. We'll lock you up in a chicken coop. <laughs> Get your eyes pecked out. You do the Mark voice really well. <laughs> oh god, oh. fucker's missing his teeth. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a what a crazy looking guy! <laughs> like I'm just trying to imagine how many like other fucking jobs could that guy have other than chicken farmer and pro wrestler <laughs> in Delaware, nonetheless. Like that's what. <laughs> like I'm trying to imagine driving through Delaware and running into those two. <laughs> you know what? It probably wouldn't be that hard. Like... <laughs> Just drive through a couple times, like, oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, what else did you want my opinion on? Oh, the building main event 
to final battle here. We got Dalton Castle uh-huh. and Cody Rhodes's feud. What do you think of this feud? Because I, I think it's actually surprisingly very, very interesting and very layered. I don't think it's been pumped up of enough. Like, I think they've mm-hmm. done a great job on the TVs and things like that. But I don't think enough people are talking about this. I think mm-hmm. people are going to really miss this one. And because you're right, it it has been just so layered. Because, like, on your surface, you have Cody Rhodes against Dalton Castle. Two great wrestlers. That makes a lot of sense. But then you just have them, like, digging deep at each other. Mm-hmm. Like, really going, like, cutting into, like, their, both these emotions. Like, Cody making fun of how flamboyant Dalton is. And then Dalton going after Cody's ego. Like, it's, oh, it's been great. And I think it, so it cuts <laughs> to a really, really, um, a really poignant. So here's my, I think, the central question of this feud is the, the question is, who is the main eventer and who is the side act? Because it, so I think one of the things that kind of weirdly feels underwhelming about this as like the main event for Final Battle is the fact that Dalton Castle is the opponent. But in a Mm -hmm. weird way, Dalton Castle is actually the perfect opponent for Cody Rhodes because he draws out Cody Rhodes' insecurity as a character. Because the truth about Cody Rhodes is as great as he is and as much as he's reinvented himself out on the indies and become like the true sort of successor to his father's name, I think in a lot of ways, like yeah, he has reinvented himself from something that was really shitty for a while. And that comes with a lot of shame where in WWE, he was relegated to being a side act so much that he was stuck in being this weird stardust role. That was a parody of gold dust. Like, and I think Dalton mm. Castle is the character who embodies that to him like because in cody rhodes like in his reinvention in his reinvention i think in a lot of ways he's separated himself like he's tried to say like i am not stardust i was not stardust i am not that side act Mm -hmm. stardust they get mad at him if they chant stardust i'm not that side act but dalton castle's a guy who is a side act but at the same time he's also proving that he can be a main eventer yeah exactly he's trying to do that at cody's expense and cody's like no I'm the main eventer, you're the side act, fuck off. He's rejecting that side of himself. And it's this really weird kind of story that's actually really complex. I love it. Yeah. And Dalton and Cody are just so good at promos and wrestling that it's going to be great. Yep. It's, I mean, it's going to be great from that standpoint. And then also just, you know, on the other standpoints of the story that like, uh, you know, Cody's gotten rid of the boys and stuff like that from Dalton. Like, there's some mm-hmm. personal other stuff to this feud. So there's the in-story things like that, like the circus. Level. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see Dalton's uh, entrance because he doesn't have the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what will they do without the boys? Yeah. I th- I feel like this is going to be a losing effort for Mr. Castle. But it's going to be a great showing. <coughs> oh, it's going to be fantastic. And a fantastic match. Very exciting. What do you think is the possibility that because uh, have you you've heard the rumors I assume about the whole Bullet Club match that they want to kind of finance and or not the not ten thousand seat show. arena yeah the ten thousand seat arena show what what if let me pitch to you this dream scenario what if Daniel Bryan 
is out of his contract with WWE. And what if? I think the main event of that show should be Daniel Bryan versus Cody Rhodes. For the Ring of Honor Championship? Yeah, if, if Ring of Honor is cool with Cody advertising that. That would be fucking insane. Do you do you think that would have a chance to draw 10,000? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Totally. I think like not only Daniel Bryan leaving the WWE and wrestling again mm-hmm. would, would draw their crowd, but if you have it for the title and against Cody, because oh, it would literally be the current hottest actor against the dark horse of who could be the hottest actor on the independents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be fucking... I would... Man, I, I feel like I would really have to try and go see that match. That'd be pretty exciting. Do you think they would have any chance to hit 10,000 if they don't get, like if Daniel Bryan doesn't come out of WWE and he doesn't get on that show because I feel like if he comes out of WWE he's definitely going to be on that show right like I don't think yeah. he would say no but if, I think if, Cody if, would pay any amount of money too yeah um I think they could I think they're just gonna really need to build a card with enough guys on it and really hype up the show like do you do you think they would have to do a match like as big as, say, for example, like a Cody and Kenny or something? Because like, I'm trying to think of like what other like matches they could construct that would be big enough for something like that. Because outside of some other big miracle, like say for example, CM Punk coming back to wrestling, like because <coughs> obviously something like that I think could definitely sell out ten thousand for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but outside of something like that, like do you? Th- because I've, I've been trying to think like for a little bit with Bullet Club getting so big, I think at some point they are going to are going to have to run some sort of like breakup storyline or a split storyline. Maybe there's multiple factions of the Bullet Club. Maybe that like could the be the American versus the Japanese faction. Mm. Yeah, you could do it something like that. Yeah, or that like, could, that could be the main event. Or like have the right, elite like, break well, off from the rest of the Bullet Club and then it's like the elite versus the Bullet Club. Yeah. You could do that. And then you could have, I think, like multiple matches, like have Cody versus Omega, have, um, say, like Marty and uh, Hangman Page against the Young Bucks, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and like Marty Skrull versus Cody and or Omega. You got, you could have like a lot of really interesting matches if you just kind of like started, but I guess if you do that, there's not a lot of going back. So you gotta, yeah, you gotta be sure. And even then, for something like that, it'd probably be smarter to just yeah, like if you had one or two that are breaking off, and you could have a big match that's, there. That's going to be completely up to New Japan too. So mm, that's that's another good point. <laughs> but like, I feel like they probably definitely have a lot of other Ring of Honor guys and New Japan guys on there. I would yeah. assume. <clears throat> and then anyone who's just not signed to anywhere. So, ooh, you know what? Here's another thing too. What if? Because uh, Cody Rhodes is going to be on Jericho's cruise. Cody versus Chris Jericho. What if Jericho repays the favor? What if Jericho... What about Jericho versus Cody Rhodes? You think that could sell 10000 I think that could sell 10000 yes. Jericho challenging Cody Rhodes for the Ring of Honor World Championship? That'd be exciting. I think if you get, I think if you get enough... If you can't get someone like Jericho, I think if you get enough like Omega and maybe like Tanahashi and Okada or someone, mm-hmm. I think that could draw 10,000. 
because I remember, was, weren't they also potentially throwing around um, some Canadian city for somewhere they were going to host this? Like maybe like a uh, Toronto yeah, or Ontario? I haven't, I haven't heard any of the city possibilities, no. They go to Winnipeg, and they do the rematch between Jericho and Omega. I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot! <laughs> the Winnipeg rematch. The Winnipeg street fight. Uh, they could sell out 100,000. I don't I'm know sure about that. that I was but... saying, I, I, there's probably not a hundred thousand seat arena in Winnipeg. I was gonna say. I don't even yeah. know if there is a. I don't even know if there is an arena in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, there might not be. Just the All whole right. town would go. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not even in an arena. It's a hundred thousand people just standing around like the center of town. It's just literally in the street. Street fight. It's just yeah. like, all right, Jericho, I'll meet you at the Dunkin' Donuts. That would be a Tim Hortons. <laughs> a Tim Hortons? All right, there you go. I'll meet you at the Tim Hortons. That's, that's their donut and coffee shop up there. Mm. All right. Is that going to do us for our number 100? Man, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we need to cap it off with something else. I don't know. What's your... Well, you know, we're coming to the end here of 2017. Mm. Looking back on the year in a whole who has been your favorite wrestler this year who have you been most impressed by Ooh, (sighs) most impressed by Hmm. i guess you could say either an individual wrestler or a tag team (coughs) like one act you know what i mean oh uh i'm gonna say the usos that's exactly why I added that caveat in there because I was probably going to say, you <laughs> son of a bitch, you fuck. Why did I help you? Damn it. Well, why did <laughs> you I help you? Me. I, I saved you. That's fine. Go ahead. You explain why the Usos will I think of somebody else for my answer. Uh, <laughs> well, because I, I think the Usos were definitely in a rut at the beginning of this year. You had them as the baby faces they've always been. And then the heel turn and the way they've just taken it on and made it their own. Like, I want to watch anything the Usos are involved with on SmackDown. And so that's why they're my turnaround team of the year. All right. That's a damn good answer. I'm going to counter with uh, somebody we were just talking about actually a minute ago. I think uh, Cody Rhodes is quite the fucking force of 2017. I was trying to decide. I was like, was it this year or last year that he really rose to prominence? I think it's this year. So you could definitely, yeah, that's a very good choice. Because, like, he, he got the title, and I think that's really, like, the, been the big thing. is like, him getting the title and developing the gimmick of, like, the kissing the ring. And he's had some really big matches with some bigger names, like the match with Okada. He's had matches like Minoru Suzuki. He's going to have the match over Dalton Castle. He's had the series with Christopher Daniels. Like, yeah. I, I think him signing with ROH as well. Like, mm-hmm. he's now behind a brand that he wants to build. Right, and that he's definitely taking steps to really build it, it seems like. And ROH definitely seems like it's moving in the right direction and it's growing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really exciting, I think, and that he's really been getting behind that and not only advancing himself, because he's definitely been doing that and building his name, but he's building ROH with him. So Exactly. Usos and Cody Rhodes, you are the kings of 2017. You are the Smock Brothers champions. You are the Smock Brothers honorary champions. Because, unfortunately, you are still the champion for now. But, no, that's worry right. not. 
at Clash of Champions, Please. I will regain my proper mantle. <coughs> and hopefully by then I regain my voice. <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> uh, so thanks for tolerating with my voice this week, and thank you for being with us for 100 episodes. Follow us on social media, Super Smart Brothers on Facebook, at Smart Brothers on Twitter, uh, supersmartbrothers at gmail.com and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast to keep us going past 100 on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and our original home of Podbean. We're syndicated. 